This is a Scream Queen production. Jen Carpenter. Happy True Crime Tuesday. Happy Taco Tuesday. Happy It's Getting Warmer and Feeling Like Springtime Tuesday. Happy It's Staying Light Out Later Tuesday. We gotta find some things to be happy about these days. We just gotta. Okay, so you guys know that I cannot go too long without digging into a hometown case, something that is close to home for me. So today, I'm going to tell you about the rootness tootness lawman the city of Grand Ledge, Michigan ever did see. His name is Tom Toes, spelled T-O-A-Z, so I suppose it could be Toaz, but I think that it's just Toes, like Toes. Um, And we've actually talked about him before, kind of, because he was involved in pretty much every high-profile case in Eaton County in the late 18 and early 1900s, and that is the time frame that we've covered on some stories, like the Nettie Barnard case, which was covered back in Season 2, Episode 58, Murderess. It was the one where the pretty young wife and mother became obsessed with her crotchety old pastor. She followed him all over the state, and then she set his wife on fire. Remember that one? So Tom Toes was actually a member of Nettie Barnard's defense team. Uh, So he must be pretty good at his job because she fucking got off somehow. And while the Nettie Barnard case was the talk of all of the towns back when it happened, that was just one of many super salacious cases that Tom Toes had a hand in. Toes, hands. (laughs) Sorry, I'm gonna, okay, stop. We're, We're going. But before we get into the life and times of Tom Toes, I want to thank today's sponsor. Care Of is a subscription service that ships high-quality, personalized vitamins, supplements, and powders conveniently to your door every month. Who doesn't like getting packages? I love getting packages in the mail. All you've got to do to sign up for Care Of is take a short in-depth quiz about your health goals and your lifestyle. And then you'll get personally tailored recommendations based on your answers. You can stick with the vitamins and supplements that Care of recommends, or you can change up your pack at any time. Their products are made from good-for-you, clean ingredients that are backed by the latest science and research so that you can feel good about what you're putting in your body. And they really couldn't make it easier for you. Your supplements come in adorable single-serve packaging. Each package has your name and a motivational quote right on it. I love it so much. Uh, So being short on time, which I always am, is no longer an excuse to not take your vitamins in the morning or the afternoon or whenever you like to take them. There's no, you know, opening multiple bottles, measuring things out. You just grab your packet for the day and boom. 
You're all set. You've got your vitamins. Easy peasy. And right now, Care Of is offering 50% off your first order to So Dead listeners. Go to TakeCareOf.com and enter code SODEAD. Again, that's TakeCareOf.com, promo code SODEAD for 50% off your first order of quality, easy to choose, and easy to use vitamins and supplements. All right, let's talk about toes. That <laughs> did not come out right. This is not that kind of podcast, friends. Sorry. Thomas John Toes was born on July 14, 1850 in O, Canada. He moved to Michigan, and he met and fell in love with a local gal by the name of Hattie Jones, who was two years his senior. The two were married sometime prior to 1875, which is when their first and only child, a daughter they named Luddy, was born. Tom went into a career in law enforcement, and he worked as an Eaton County constable for many years. He and his family lived in a nice two-bedroom home over on West Street. I'm familiar. I had a friend that lived on West Street for a long time. Uh, here's something gross, though. When Luddy Toes was just... <laughs> Sorry. I can't with this last name. When Luddy was just 16, she married a man who was barely a year younger than her father. So she was 16 and her husband, Joe Abbey, was 40, which I guess that wasn't super uncommon for the 1800s, but that does not make it less gross. Luddy died in 1898 when she was just 22 years old. I could not find any information on how Luddy died, but, you know, it was the 1800s, so really could have been anything. Tom Toes was one of the most well-known policemen in mid-Michigan. One 1907 article said that he had arrested more people than all of the other lawmen in town combined. But then that same article said that the only thing that was preventing him from becoming sheriff was his politics. And I'm not sure what that meant. It did not explain further what his politics were or why they meant that he couldn't be sheriff. I mean, I would feel like anyone who was fit to be a constable should also be fit to be a sheriff. Yeah, I don't know. Toes was known for being tough on crime, which explains why law enforcement agencies liked him, but he was also well-liked by the public, even though he was always throwing everybody in jail. I mean, he had the highest arrest record in all of the land, and the people still liked him. In 1892, Toes was part of the investigation into the Grand Ledge Miser murder. Ever heard of it? Of course you haven't, because I dug it up from old newspapers. Nobody talks about this anymore. So we're going to talk about it today. On November 14th, 1892, 75-year-old Civil War veteran William Lampman was murdered in his Grand Ledge home for the $300 he had in his possession, or was believed to have had in his possession. That would be almost $10,000 today, so it was quite a chunk of change. Lampman had no family. He spent very little money. He was known to brag about how he ate for 60 cents a week sustaining primarily on bread and halibut, which sounds disgusting. He rented out the front part of his house to a man named Frank Butcher and his wife, so he was getting money there. He got a pension from his time in the military. So he had good money coming in and then very little going back out. But because Lampman didn't have a family, it took a few days for people to notice when he went missing. 
When his boarder, Frank Butcher, went to look for him, he found Lampman dead in his bed, bound and strangled. A week later, Frank Butcher's own brother, John, a father of 10, was arrested for the murder when Officer Tom Toes found a can containing almost the exact amount of money that had been stolen from William Lampman buried on John Butcher's property. Police were certain, based on the crime scene, that the murder was, at the very least, a two-man job. But John Butcher insisted he committed the crime on his own and that he'd been drinking that night. He just needed some quick cash. He had heard the old man Lampman, or Uncle Billy, as he was known around town, had uh, cash stashed all over his cabin, so he decided to go and take it. He said that he didn't remember the specifics of what happened at Lampman's house, but that he remembered going there to take the money, and he remembered leaving with the money. So he must have killed William Lampman somewhere in the middle there. He was convicted of first-degree murder, and he was sentenced to life at Jackson Prison without the possibility of parole. In 1905, Tom Toes investigated the strange death of Alger Pruden. On January 31st, 1905, Myrtle Tinney summoned the town doctor and the town marshal to her Bridge Street home in downtown Grand Ledge, where they found her 18-year-old brother Alger dead on the parlor floor from a gunshot wound to the head. Myrtle, her husband Jesse, and their boarder, a young man by the name of Clarence Jenks, were the only ones in the house at the time of the shooting. Officer Toes noticed that the three were acting strange, and he didn't buy their story, uh, that Alger was in the room alone when they all heard a gunshot and went running to see what had happened. It was his belief that Clarence Jenks, who had a reputation as a violent drunk and often bragged of murdering people (laughs) when he was in his cups, is how the article put it. So, um... Obviously, that means when he was drunk, but I just thought that in his cups was a funny way to say that. Officer Toes believed that he had murdered Alger, um, who Alger Pruden was said to be generally well-liked about town. But Toes had no evidence to support his suspicions, so he threw Alger's sister, Myrtle, and her husband in jail because he knew that they were hiding something. And it was a big something. Apparently... Clarence Jenks and Alger's sister, Myrtle, were having an affair and they were planning to elope. I don't know how you can elope when you're already married. I think you have to get divorced first um, for that elopement to to count. But Tom Toes' theory was that Alger found out about the affair, maybe even walked in on them or he suspected and he confronted them about it. So Clarence, who admitted to being in his cups that night, killed him. The coroner's findings supported this theory as it was his belief that Alger had been bludgeoned, then shot in nearly the same spot as the head injury to kind of cover it up and pass the death off as a suicide. Once they'd been in custody for a little bit, the Tinnies admitted that Alger was not alone when he was shot, that as they went running toward the parlor to see what had happened, they saw Clarence Jenks running from the room and up the stairs which would explain why police found blood on Clarence's shoes. Clarence Jenks went on trial in May of 1905, but the defense actually had a pretty fucking strong case. Their star witness was Alger Pruden's former fiance, 18-year-old Dolly Thompson. When Dolly ended her engagement with Alger to marry another man, 
Alger did not take it well. According to Dolly, about a week before his death, Alger entered her home uninvited, threatened her with a gun, chloroformed her, and was still in her home when she woke up several hours later. He told her that he assumed what happened between them meant that she would agree to marry him instead. So I feel like from that statement, it can be assumed that what happened between them while she was unconscious was that Alger raped her. And so then she was, you know, unpure. It was the early 1900s, so uh, she had to marry him now instead of the man that she loved. But Dolly was like, fuck you, fuck no, I'm not doing that, I'm not marrying you. And so Alger responded by threatening to kill her and himself. When Dolly threatened to go to authorities, he told her that he was just going to kill himself, and this all happened a few days before he died. So the jury presented with two very compelling possible scenarios that he'd been killed by his sister's secret lover to keep their secret or that he had taken his own life because he had lost the girl he loved and done horrible things to try to keep her and it still didn't work. The jury decided that Dolly Thompson was a credible witness and that Alger Pruden probably did, in fact, take his own life. So Clarence Jenks was acquitted for the murder. Now, there were a lot of other cases that Tom Toes was involved in during this time frame, but there's a reason that I chose specifically the Grand Ledge Miser murder and the mysterious death of Alger Pruden to focus on, which you're about to find out. So, All of this drama brings us to 1907, when things got out of control real quick. In March of 1907, the Miser murder case reared its ugly head again. So this is 15 years later. John Butcher, who was in prison for the murder, decided after being in prison for 15 years that he could not spend the rest of his life there. So he remixed his confession. He claimed that a man by the name of Silas Compton a blacksmith from Eagle, Michigan, was the mastermind behind the plan to rob William Lampman and that he was actually the one that killed him. When Tom Toes heard this, he was pumped because he'd always believed that Silas Compton was involved. He never thought that John Butcher acted alone. He believed it so much, in fact, that when Compton up and abandoned his entire life and fled the state, which he did when he heard that John Butcher had been arrested for the murder, Tom Toes tracked him down. (laughs) I'm so sorry. I can't. It just sounds like I'm starting, like the start of a nursery rhyme. Tommy Toes. Counted his toes. No, I'm sorry. I'm so tired, you guys. Don't just, we're going to delete that. Um, Tom Toes tracked. (laughs) I can't do it. It's like a tongue twister and I can't get past it to continue this sentence coherently. Okay, one more time. Tom Toes tracked. Silas Compton down to Pennsylvania, and he paid law enforcement there to keep tabs on him just in case. According to John Butcher, the only reason that he took the rap was because the truth would implicate his brothers and he wanted to keep them safe. Allegedly, 
Silas Compton convinced the butcher boys that Uncle Billy had thousands of dollars hidden in his house, and they came up with like this elaborate plan to rob him. But at the last minute, John's two brothers backed out. So it was just him and Silence. Not Silence. Silas. So it was just him and Silas that entered the Lampman home with the intent to rob it. They found the old man in bed, but before they could even tell him why they were there, they heard someone outside. So Silas Compton sent John Butcher out to keep people away from the house. John stood guard outside. Silas came out after a bit, tossed him some cash, and the men took off. It wasn't until John Butcher read about the murder a few days later that he realized Silas Compton had murdered William Lampman. Armed with this new information, authorities were like, Well, shit, how do we find this guy now? It's been 15 years. To which Tom Toes replied, I know exactly where he is. I've been keeping tabs on him this entire time. So Officer Toes and the prosecuting attorney traveled to Pennsylvania, picked Silas Compton up, and brought him back to Grand Ledge to stand trial. That trial began on Monday, June 24th, 1907. The Compton trial wasn't the only high-profile case on Tom Toes' plate that summer, though. Just a few days before the trial began, he arrested three Grand Ledge residents for enticing a child for immoral purposes. Allegedly, the trio took 14-year-old Lucille Maxwell from her Grand Ledge home out to Portland, which, for those of you not local, that's just another town, a good little 20-minute drive down the road, not too far. Well, probably a lot farther back in the early 1900s, but nowadays it's about a 20-minute drive. So these three people basically took this little girl out to another city to pimp her out. And who were these three individuals? Ambrose Gallup, one of the wealthiest men in Grand Ledge at the time, his friend Frank Brown, and a woman named Myrtle Tinney. Myrtle Tinney the sister of Alger Pruden, who is the teenager who maybe took his own life, maybe was murdered in his sister's Bridge Street home. So, this was a big fucking deal around Grand Ledge. A bunch of well-known, upstanding residents charged with running an underage prostitution ring in Grand Ledge? Well, I never... June 27th, 1907 was a Thursday. 56-year-old Tom Toes was in the thick of the new Miser murder trial, which either way he couldn't win. He'd either railroaded a father of 10 and sent him to prison for 15 years for a crime he didn't commit, or he'd snatched a perfectly innocent 70-year-old man out of his perfectly peaceful life in Pennsylvania dragged him back to Michigan, and put him on trial for a 15-year-old murder for no reason. Just just not a good look for Tom Toes all the way around. He had just arrested one of Grand Ledge's wealthiest citizens and exposed an underground, underage sex ring. I mean, that is a lot for one week, and it was about to get worse. But before we reach the dramatic conclusion of today's vintage true crime tale, I do want to thank our other sponsor. Every Plate is America's best value meal kit. While a lot of meal kits come with a premium price tag, Every Plate offers delicious meals that won't break the bank. 
Choose from 17 recipes that change weekly and swap proteins, veggies, and sides whenever you're feeling spicy or unspicy. It's up to you. Every plate's quality ingredients come carefully packed and pre-portioned, helping you save money and reduce food waste, like that bag of mixed greens that you throw out every week. Am I right? I personally love how easy every plate makes meal planning. No more arguing over what's for dinner every night, no more stressful grocery store trips where they're out of half of the things you need for your recipes, just good food and easy-to-follow instructions delivered right to your door. Get started with EveryPlate for just $1.79 per meal by going to everyplate.com and entering code SODEAD179. Again, that is everyplate.com, promo code SODEAD179 to try America's best value meal kit for just $1.79 per meal. All right, back to June 27th, 1907. We've got the new Miser murder trial going on and the scandalous arrest of three of Grand Ledge's most prominent citizens for an underage prostitution ring. So Constable Tom Toes, who was front and center in both of these cases, was under just a wee bit of stress. After leaving the Compton trial proceedings for the day, Toes was seen having a tense conversation with Ambrose Gallup, one of the the three people arrested for the prostitution ring, um, before he went home to his wife, Hattie, in their quiet little house on West Street. Sometime after 1 a.m., Tom woke Hattie up and told her that someone was in the house. He instructed her to stay at the top of the stairs. She listened as he slowly made his way down the stairs and then heard him say, sounding very startled, what are you doing in here? Hattie then heard what sounded like a struggle, which lasted a minute or so before a single shot rang out. Then, silence. When she went downstairs, she found her husband dead, lying in a pool of blood. He'd been shot in the head. Hattie called the police, her husband's colleagues. When they are... (laughs) I don't know what the fuck that was. (laughs) Oh my God, I am so tired and I am. (sighs) Okay. When they. (laughs) Sorry. When they arrived on scene, she told them what had happened and they were like, hmm, definitely suicide. What the fuck? Even though both Hattie and a young woman that was boarding with the Toses heard the struggle and they both heard Tom yell, what are you doing here? His friends and colleagues of decades were all like, nope, that, that was just all for show. He definitely killed himself. He just wanted it to look like a murder. So the big irony here is In the Elder Pruden case, which very well could have been a suicide, authorities were like, looks like a suicide, but we think it was murder. And then in the Tom Toes case, it was the opposite. Definitely looks like a murder, but we're sure it was a suicide. Like, what the fuck were these guys doing? A coroner's inquest panel could not reach a decision on whether Tom Toes' death was murder or suicide. Authorities maintained that it was suicide, so that wound up being the official ruling. But Hattie Toes was... 
It doesn't stop being funny, and I'm sorry. Hattie Toes was adamant until the day she died, many, many years later, that her husband was murdered. So, after Tom Toes' mysterious death, Silas Compton was acquitted for the murder of William Lampman, which meant that John Butcher was rearrested and sent back to prison. Have no fear, though. The governor pardoned John Butcher just a few years later in 1911, and he was freed for a second and final time. Myrtle Tinney was sentenced to one to three years behind bars for enticing a child for immoral purposes, and I couldn't find anything about what happened to her accomplices, probably because one of them was the richest man in Grand Ledge and paid to keep his name out of most of the papers. That's just my guess, though. But her other accomplice, the man that she was having an affair with that maybe slash probably killed her little brother, Clarence Jenks? In 1912, when he was 32, Clarence Jenks murdered a teenage girl and then killed himself in front of a restaurant full of people. Clarence was married at the time, but he had become obsessed with 18-year-old Inez Volcoma, a waitress at the Grand Rapids restaurant that he frequented. He became so obsessed with Inez that his wife filed for divorce and he had to move in with his auntie. On October 15, 1912, wearing his uncle's best suit, Clarence entered the restaurant during the dinner rush and proposed to Inez in front of the entire restaurant. She turned him down, of course, because, ew, fuck you, get away from me. I just serve you grits every morning. Ew. Um, And as she turned away to serve the order that she was carrying in her hands to a table, Clarence pulled out a gun and shot her in the back killing her instantly. He then, in front of the entire restaurant, shot himself in the head. The bullet only grazed his temple, so he pulled a vial containing two ounces of carbolic acid from his pocket and swallowed it. He was dead before police arrived. And now I am also deceased because that entire story was way too wild. Like, Way too wild to be a thing that actually happened anywhere, but especially in Grand Ledge. And if you're not local to like the Lansing area or Michigan even, and you're not familiar with Grand Ledge, just picture the cute, small, perfect little town where like everything gets swept under the rug and nobody talks about the unpleasant things and the town's image is actually more important than what's really going on. That's that's Grand Legend in a nutshell for you. But there are still so many questions about this one. Uh, was Tom Toes murdered? Of course he fucking was. That's not a question. But by who? I mean, who killed him? So many options. And why did the police, his colleagues, cover it up? What are your theories? I would love to hear them. And that is the story of Eaton County's most infamous lawman that everyone forgot about after he died. Thank you for coming to my dead talk. My resources for today's episode were just a lot of old newspapers because this story exists nowhere in the free world. Well, I mean, I guess it does now, doesn't it? All right, time for a little liquid cheese. I think I've mentioned like four times during this episode that I am really tired. Um, And so as I was kind of finishing up and getting ready to record, I could not, for the life of me, 
think of a um I can't, <laughs> I can't even think of the word. Um, I couldn't think of a liquid cheese topic. I told you guys I was running out of true crime stories. The candy bandit brought me kind of one more, but I think I really, for now at least, am out of like personal true crimey, dark, macabre tales. So I asked my husband to pick a topic, just any topic for me to discuss during liquid cheese. And he told me that I should talk about guilty food pleasures. Um, And at first I was like, what? That's weird. Why? Why? And then he reminded me that every day for the past month, sometimes more than once a day, I have gotten a smoothie from Tropical Smoothie because I love them. So (laughs) I guess that's my current guilty food pleasure. I don't drink coffee. I don't know if I've ever told you guys that before. I don't like it. Uh, So my caffeine comes from like soda, pop, and that's about it. So I've been getting like Energizer and some vitamins added to my smoothie. And yeah, I just... It's like a full-on addiction at this point. My favorite is the Bahama Mama. But I tried a new one today called the Sunshine, and it was very banana-y, and I liked that one too. So, yeah. Um, I I don't know really where else to go with this one, except to tell you that it's not limited to smoothies. I love all frozen things, including slushies. And I have wanted my own slushie machine for my whole life. So for Christmas last year, not just this past Christmas, but the one before that, I got um, a gift card to Amazon from my boss at the time when I was still gainfully employed. And I was like, I know what I'm buying with this fucking thing. There was this cup that I had seen in like a late night BuzzFeed article that supposedly turns any sugary drink into a slushie. It's called a Zoku, Z-O-K-U is the brand. So I bought one and I'm obsessed with it. My only problem, I probably need like three of them because they have to, the cup has to freeze for like 24 hours before you use it. So I take it, I make myself a slushie using soda or using juice. You can do shakes with like chocolate milk and strawberry milk, but I was not a big fan of those. But like the the soda ones and the juice ones are really good. So I'll make one and then I'll want another one, but I have to wait like a whole day, which is probably a good thing, you know, health-wise. But, you know, when you want a slushie, you want a slushie. And sometimes you don't want to wait 24 hours to have another one. So, um, yeah, I'm just rambling at this point. Guilty food pleasures for me are frozen drinks, smoothies, slushies, obsessed obsessed. This is why my ultimate plan for the screamatorium is to turn it into like a full serve ice cream place, but I I kind of need the money fairy to pay me several visits to make that happen. So, who knows when that'll be. Anyway, now you know that I'm obsessed with frozen drinks. Thank you. You're welcome. Um one more thing I want to mention is an event that's coming up this weekend in Rio Town. On March 19th, we're having an event. Um, This is our first ever Get Rosie on the Riveter. It's a very clever name that my friend Amy, who owns Vintage Junkies, came up with. So I'm going to explain it to you a little bit. It is celebrating, March is Women's History Month, so it is celebrating the women of Rio Town because the majority of the retail establishments in Rio Town are woman-owned, which is fucking amazing. It's incredible, and we want to celebrate that. You know, we could have picked any day during the month of March to do so, 
But we chose to kind of center the event around Rosie the Riveter because the woman who inspired Rosie, she was from Michigan. So we're celebrating Rosie the Riveter. We're celebrating the women of Rio Town. And then we're also taking advantage of the fact that Rio Town is what's called a social district, which is something that's fairly new in Lansing. Basically, you can purchase alcoholic beverages from um, one specific bar right now, but eventually it will be most of them. So there's a bar and brewery called Sleepwalker, and you can purchase alcoholic beverages from them to go, and then you can walk around Rio Town and shop. So Get Rosie has a double meaning. Um, We're talking about Rosie the Riveter. We're talking about getting a little rosy because you're going to sip and shop, and then on the Riveter is because we're right on the river. So it's just like a clever little play on words that Amy came up with, and I love it. So if you're in the Lansing area or feel like coming to the Lansing area this weekend, we're going to have a lot of good sales and special merch, and it's just going to be a really great opportunity to support woman-owned small businesses in Michigan. Can't go wrong with that. And that's all I've got for you today. Thank you for tuning in. A new true crime story time is coming your way next week, and then a new episode of So Dead the week after that. Make sure that you're following me on TikTok under Scream Queen 517 and follow along with So Dead's Facebook page and discussion group. Uh, I'll see you next week. Until then, keep shining, you magnificent what the fucks.